Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. We have incurred $12 million. The president says stop it. Without giving you any reason, then you stop it. No, no, that was not what it Right. Doesn't mean that if the president says stop something, we have incurred the, the people's, spent people's money... Government blows over $12 million on the infamous Ejapa royalties deal, which never came to fruition. That's a revelation from Parliament's Public Accounts Committee sitting today. We'll be hearing more on that. Also, coming up, Small Arms Commission reveals over 1 million weapons are currently in the hands of wrong people. It is a scare in an election year, isn't it? And later on Eyewitness News, we take you to the eastern region where the Achimabuakwa Traditional Council has summoned the Ankobiahini of the Begros Chu, Bafo Uredu Ejakun Minta II. And the reason is he endorsed flag bearer and former president John Dramani Mahama for the next elections. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories. On Eyewitness News and in business. Ghana International Trade Commission announced 65% quota on importation of cutlasses into the country. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a host of affiliate stations. In the Vice President's hometown of Wale Wale, we are on Eagle FM 94.1, that's in the Northeast region. We are in Laura in the Upper West region on Westlink 88.1 FM. In the Upper East Region, we are on Word 88.3 FM in Zwarungu. In the Northern Region, we are on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. If you go to the Volta Region, we are on Akpini Radio 96.7, based in Pando Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohoe. In the Ashanti Region, we are live on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Ahafo Region, we are on Hames 106.5 FM in Gosu. In the Bono region, we are live on Greener, 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Western region, Premier, 100.5 FM, Beach, 105.5 FM, and Sky Power, 93.5 FM. All these platforms are bringing you eyewitness news to your bedrooms and to your cars in whatever part of the country you are in. We are also on YouTube. We are, we are interactive. Join us on the social media platforms X. The hashtag is City Newsroom. The handle is at Umarusanda or at City973. On WhatsApp is 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one is coming from the Eastern Region. And the story is that the Uncle Biahini of the Begros II, Bafo Redu Ejakuminta II, has been summoned by the Achim Abuakwa Traditional Council over his alleged comments endorsing flag bearer of the NDC and former president John Dramani Mahama ahead of the elections of 2024. The summons comes in the wake 
of a petition received by the council from Dasebre Ofosu Kwabi Ayebiahe um, Otre Sohini Odao and Ochami Ousu accusing Nana Oredu Ejaku of engaging in partisan politics. According to the petitioners, the Ankobiahini has brought the name of the Belgrot stool into disrepute by engaging in partisan politics. The Boakwa Traditional State Secretary Dan Mafo Foriata, who confirmed the summons to City News, indicated that the petitioners are, among other things, seeking an order of distillment, a declaration nullifying the respondents' conduct, a public recantation of their alleged comments, an unqualified apology to the petitioners and the people of Begro, and punitive customary sanctions if found liable. The hearing on the matter has been rescheduled from February 12 to February 19, 2024. So that's a story coming from the Eastern region. The beneficiaries of what he may have done would be the NDC. What do they make of that? The NDC branch in the Eastern region is headed by Chairman Mark Oliver Kevo. He's joining us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Sander. Good evening to your listeners. Good evening to you too. Uh, this information I'm just reading out, has it come to your attention already? Yes, we've cited the rate of summons from the Buakwa Traditional Council and um, we are awaiting the proceedings accordingly. Um, we are giving the Traditional Council the benefit of the doubt that Tankobi um, Ahime has not been pronounced guilty of any offence. And uh, we are giving the Traditional Council the benefit of the doubt that you go through this process fairly once it's a quasi-legal process and uh, the traditional council has its own regulations and rules in dealing with matters like this, we want to give them the respect and we want to follow it keenly and um, uh, wait for the outcome of whatever decision that they take. Are you familiar, though, with what Bafo Redu Ejakun Minta II has said, for which reason this summons was brought against him? Yes, of course. I was with the president throughout the tour. I hosted the president for the two days tour. And he's not the only chief that spoke during the tour. He's just one of the many chiefs uh, who are Ghanaians, who experience what happens around them, and also would like to speak as concerned Ghanaians. So I was there when he spoke. The things they, they claim he, he might have said that somebody else offends them. Do you remember what happened, where it happened? Well, sure. Uh, at a deba of farmers at Ahomaumaso, close to Begro, we had invited chief farmers, farmers uh, in the constituency, that's the Fantiaqua North constituency, and we had also invited eminent chiefs, Zongu chiefs and uh, imams and some um, other opinion leaders. So uh, at the function, some of the farmers had come to express their challenges. You know, this is a listening tour. We must put this in context. That this is a listening tour, uh, that building the uh, Ghana tour, uh, the, president is, the former president is embarking on. So at that particular deba, it was a deba for farmers. And... Uh, some of the farmers have spoken, and the traditional uh, leaders uh, were also given the opportunity to speak. So it was at that occasion um, that Ankobi Ahene 
took the stage and made some pronouncements that he understands the 24-hour economy in particular. He knows the benefits that his people uh, will, will, will get from such a policy when embarked on. And he also urged that we gathered there supporting to be supporting his Excellency John Dramani Mahama should not just be supporting him through our voices, but also be vigilant on election day if we want him to be president indeed. So this was a candid advice to us. And then he said that they are praying because of the difficulties they are all finding themselves in, the challenges the country is finding itself in and all that. They have prayed earlier in the morning. The chiefs that had gathered there, they had prayed earlier in the morning. He said it in truth that he attired. They had prayed earlier in the morning that the so-called uh, breaking the eight should not happen uh, at this time. And, and and that is all. So, specifically, he endorsed John Mahama and asked that people should vote for him? Well, any well-meaning Ghanaian who listens to him will know that that is the direction. He says he's, he's that um, they pray that the breaking the aid should not happen. He's praying that the 24-hour economy should, you know, materialize to help his people and all that. Of course, the career and the one preaching the 24-hour uh, economy is excellently John Dramani Mahama. And he believes that he, when he becomes president, his policies will endure to um, his people. You've done politics for many years, if not many decades now. This occurrence that you witnessed, the statement made by the, the, the traditional ruler, is that a new information or new thing that you have seen? Or in the past, when you move with your candidates and you engage in partisan politics and campaigns, you do get comments that are similar to this one. Yeah, Sandra, you agree with me. I, I, just as you uh, you see, I've been in this system for a very long time. You yourself have also been a keen follower of political happenings in Ghana. And endorsement by chiefs, remarks by chiefs, that suggest um, that one uh, candidate is preferred over the other. It's not new. It's not a new phenomenon. You know, I've been a regional secretary for the past eight years before I became regional chairman. We've been moving with our candidates. We've been visiting chiefs. Even in, on this particular tour, he's not the only chief, as I said earlier on, that we visited. We visited Kukwantumihene. That is the Adontehene of the Buakwa traditional area. And he also has told the experience of His Excellency John Dramani Mahama and concluded that at this particular point, in time. It is experience that we need. We don't want to uh, have any try and error, you know, leadership. So, you know, there's not anything new. We went to a Num, the Num Kontihine had confessed that in 2020, he openly endorsed He campaigned for him, even on radio, and, and, and said he was apologetically sorry. His Excellency John Dramani Mahama should forgive him. And that this time, he and his people are going all out for his excellency John Dramani Mahama. You know, these are things that uh, are not new. In fact, even in this region, 
we have had chiefs that have gone on open demonstrations against government, you know, led by Osadifuamwetia himself in the past. You know, Osadifuamwetia himself has been on record to have said that he even doesn't agree that chiefs should not be involved in partisan politics. They are key opinion leaders, and when things are happening in the country, they must be given the voice to speak out. And that not giving the voice to speak out amounted to intimidation, you know. And he himself endorses uh, 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 presidential aspirant. It, during the 2020 elections, he openly said that he and uh, uh, other chiefs in the uh, uh, Agua traditional area should, should, should support his excellency Nanada Kwakufuad. Nobody had qualms with him. Nobody expressed any misgivings about it. We didn't speak against him on that. We, we just took it as his opinion, and we continued our campaign. So these are not new things. That is why it is surprising that somebody will seek to make scapegoat out of, out of this. We don't know whether it is out of hatred for his excellency John Rabbi Bahama or out of fear that somebody is becoming popular, a particular candidate is becoming popular, chiefs are applauding him and, you know, yearning for his coming and that somebody might be seeking somewhere. You know, we have had traditional leaders who had said that people who were even criticizing Anado, they called such people all manner of names, that they were, you know, wizards and witches and, you know, all manner of, you know, uh, Derogatory remarks about people who were criticizing rather than Kufuado. So what has happened? So where do you, where, where, do you, where do you draw the line between the traditional regalia and the political suit? Yes. Yeah, so for us, this is a tradition, a traditional process that they are going through. It is the reason why we are not interfering. We show that the chief is capable of making his case, we are waiting for the outcome. Because we live with the chiefs here. Nobody here is living in a penal colony. We are not living in a penal colony. We are all citizens of the Eastern region. We are residents of the Eastern region. We don't have royals here and non-royals. We are all in the Eastern region. We all have the same rights. So we cannot make laws for one set of people and then make other people feel that, you know, they can enjoy every privilege that comes with becoming an Easterner or being an Easterner. So once we are all here, we are, you know, following keenly. And like I said, we respect of Penifie and we respect that they will do the right thing. Okay. You were at the meeting. So I just want to read some of the quotes that I've seen online attributed to him on the day that he spoke. It's part of the petition that was sent. The first quote says, "The petition of Begro, the people are begging pardon, The people of Begro are urged to be vigilant against the vote-rigging agenda of the current government, and it is claimed that the parliamentary candidate of the NDC lost by dubious means in the previous election. Finally, the people of Begro are encouraged to vote massively for the NDC candidate in the upcoming election." Another quote says. Endorsing John Mahama as the incoming president and stating that the NDC government's 24-hour economic policy will rescue the people of Begro from poverty. It is also mentioned that all Nananum have invoked the gods by pouring libation against the breaking of the eighth mantra of the new patriotic party government. 
you were there did he say these things not as it has been paraphrased in there for example um he did not say that all nananum he said that the chiefs who had gathered there are poured libations and him for what are you you know i can get you the tape he was referring to the chiefs that we had invited to that particular place you know whenever there's a devil like that we give you know muslim prayers we do christian prayers and then there's traditional prayers also so he said that the chiefs that have gathered there have poured libations that the uh, breaking the eighth agenda should not happen you know so he did not externalize it or extend it to mean all other chiefs you know anywhere so that must also be put in context again he, he was specific that he believes in the 24-hour economy and he's not the only person who has said that he believes in the 24-hour economy the 24-hour economy is a policy it is one of the major uh, highlights of our campaign and people who understand it are endorsing it and as a citizen and as a chief he feels that when his excellency john Dramani bahama becomes president and executes this 24-hour economy it is going to help his people in the in his traditional area so if anybody paraphrases and and, and adds some trace to it it is for their own benefit and um I, I, I don't remember the third one that you you mentioned. Yeah, I think I think those are the key issues. So finally, moving forward, um, you've said that you're going to watch to see what the the traditional authorities are going to do. Beyond that, is the NDC as a party going to give any support to 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 this traditional ruler, or you're just going to uh, deploy the sitting on the fence approach? Yeah, like I said, we don't want to interfere in the traditional process for now. We respect our traditions, we respect Ophelopenisie, we respect Amwetia, and we and only talk about the outcome, you know, because for us here, in order not to prejudice uh, uh, the, the, the process, you know, but we, but we seriously feel that this is nothing to chase. We seriously feel that uh, somebody just want to make somebody a scapegoat, and you know, he's using the traditional council as a tool. Somebody is just hiding behind these issues to fight its own personal cause. We know that there is a dispute, there is a, a chieftaincy dispute at the ground, you know, and we feel that that is what is simmering this issue, and somebody want to uh, hide behind these uh, political issues to to make a case out of it. And it is the reason why I, I strongly believe and want to give Ophelopenisi the benefit of the doubt that this case should be dismissed with the contempt that it deserves, especially when it, it seeks to, you know, uh, um, paint one political party against the traditional council. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Sander. That's Mark Oliver Kevo. He is the Eastern Regional Chairman of the NDC. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Please stay with us. We have more coming your way. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
let your voice be heard on eyewitness news on facebook at facebook.com forward slash city 97.3 twitter at twitter.com forward slash city 973 and instagram at instagram.com forward slash city 973 with the hashtag eyewitness news you welcome back. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. I am Umaru Sandamari here with Enu Safo. Let me bring some of the messages you've been sending through. Uh, this one from Akapo Jr. in Ahafo Mim. He says it's about time Ghanaians rose up to register our displeasure with how this government is dissipating our scarce resources. How could they be reckless in such a disgusting manner? Uh, this message also comes through and he says we need a clean society that is free from corruption and uh, guru boys and a lukewarm spirit among uh, workers ghana will be a safe place for you and me uh, you and i when we all start to think right that is to have a positive attitude towards a neighbor a fellow party and above all towards work love and respect that's Aaron babaku kokomisa from latebio koshin the next message says uh, what hypocrisy on the part of the ochimans too hasn't the paramount chief himself publicly has he sanctioned or summoned himself this one says it's surprising that ghana has suffered a lot of injustice under the watch of president akufado who happened to be a human rights lawyer the hard and democracy of ghana has been gruesomely undermined by this government there's no doubt that unseen powers are calling for the victimization of this chief because he has chosen truth over lies. That's Daniel Akpaliok from Sandema. Uh, this one from Kwame Fiak in Kentucky, USA. He says, I, I find it very unfair that chiefs cannot share their opinion on a policy that may be directed towards a particular political party. We have something called unjust law, and when there is such a law, you can protest and speak against it. Uh, Ochihini, April 27, 2021. More messages coming through. I'll be coming back to the messages. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's go to the House of Parliament now. There's a video uh, making the rounds, a video that features the Member of Parliament for Botian English and Manfro, uh, the Honorable Sylvester Tete, and his senior brother and MP for Asin Central, the Honorable um, Kennedy Ejepong. Um, a lot of the headlines say, Near Brawl in parliament the honorable alexander penny is deputy majority leader in the house of parliament and mp for a photo he's joining us on the line honorable you're welcome to eyewitness news good evening to you and your church good evening to you for the people in your small village somewhere in the in the central region who did not get the opportunity to see this video we are talking about i crave your indulgence to make you our correspondent today because i've seen you being the one who came to uh, walk Sylvester Tete out of the chamber. What, what was that about? What is important is that uh, as a family, we've managed to uh, reconcile issues. And uh, tomorrow, the caucus will crown it with a, a party. Coincidentally, tomorrow is uh, Valentine's Day. And we're going to show love to one another and demonstrate true brotherhood. We are one people. You, you may recall that um, during the presidential primaries, there were a few issues that uh, cropped up, and uh, we've been working hard at uh, dealing with it. And today we had the opportunity of, uh, uh, you know, 
embedded in the blood. So we give glory to God for an opportunity like this. And as St. Francis of Assisi said, uh, God, make me an instrument of your peace. He has indeed uh, used uh, party leadership to bring peace, and that's what is important. You have been a very bad reporter, uh, selective in reporting. You have not given me the genesis of the story, but you are giving me the conclusion. Many are curious to know why we saw the senior member of parliament, uh, Kennedy Pond, attempting to assault physically. And no, no, you, no, I, thought, uh, I, said, no. I said attempting. No, 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 the word no. This, mere, mere preparation. Doesn't amount to an attempt. That's why I said, okay, okay. So intent. No, no, let no, me use. You, you are, you know, if if you, you are using attempt difference. in a legal sense, let me use intent. No, no, you know the difference between mere preparation and an attempt. You know that there was an intent, wasn't there? We saw the intent no, being manifested. No, 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 we saw no, it being no, manifested intent, in the intent, mm. intent will suffice when there is an attempt. Mere preparation, the the men will not be there. I beg you. Okay, I fine. Mean, unless we. Will, uh, if you want us to go to the classroom again, we'll go. No, we are not going to the classroom. Let's just stay in the okay, chamber. But that's what you are trying to say, that there was an intent. Intent means that there was an attempt. I'm not using intent in a legal sense, but in the okay, you are, in the English in lexicon a, sense. Meaning, yes, in an ordinary meaning. If you're in the ordinary meaning of attempt, then there was no such intention then to assault. You cannot therefore say that it meant you wanted to assault. There was no such thing. What is important is my rather... Uh, as you call it, bad reportage. But be that as it may, it's okay. The party has election uh, in December. We are done with all internal elections, 98, 99%. We need to be united as a party. As uh, John once said, fear delegates. Um, in elections, all manner of things happen. Uh, today, we've been able to and deal with it finally. We brought the finality to it. Tomorrow, we've all agreed that uh, Honorable Kennedy Japan is going to sponsor the party. He has released money. The caterers are at work. If, uh, we are going to have breakfast at 9 a.m. Uh, not the proper uh, English breakfast, but it is a Ghanaian breakfast where we're going to have fufu, uh, bangkong, wache, uh, rise and all. We are all going to feast, eat together. You so, know. So that's what that's going to happen tomorrow. But I still yeah. I still insist that let's lay the foundation like Dr. Baumia did before delivering on his vision statement at the last uh, event he did, which you were but at. But that is Dr. Baumia. But you were you were there to you support him. Dr. Baumia is a presidential candidate. You I am a deputy leader, and I'm interested in the outcome. And a potential, yeah, a potential right. running mate. So you kept referring I to. I beg you, please, please, please. <laughs> I beg you. Let's stay. Let's stay in this our little. Question. I said, I, put, I said potential. That no, one no, you would no, allow. Withdraw. I beg you. I beg you. Okay, beg possible, you. possible. No, no, no. Remove that one. To don't let's get into that arena completely. Let's get out of that arena. Why, I beg you. Why is a man let's not accepting? Why is a man not accepting the high office? I beg you, I beg you, please, let's get out of that place. I'm out, let's I'm let's out. But, out. but I, I realize you, you kept much. referring to your upcoming election, you kept referring to the just-ended primaries. Am I to understand then that the disagreement, verbal disagreement that we saw between the two MPs had to do with the just-ended primaries? You know, Honorable Kennedy, Japan has been a godfather to many of 
the MPs. He's a very affable character. He's a man without ego. All right. And today when we met, he said, look, his love for his colleagues and in Tina, this was his word. party. I will also tease him that you too, you want to be president. I think I will announce it. As you announce it, I will announce it. But every time, Mawuzi are taking over the boys. You know, but tomorrow is going to be a homecoming for his own boy. That, okay, come back. It's okay. We are together. Now, it's uh, Bahuzi's time. Let us all go back in and then sort this matter out, you know. Indeed, you we, know, we, 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 saw, we saw the videos and photos of you make, making them smoke the peace pipe somewhere in one of the... I think it was in your office somewhere there. And so there's a party okay. tomorrow. Even though you are not inviting the generality of MPP folks to come for the party, you, just, no, no, you are going to celebrate no, alone. No, no. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We're 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 enjoy alone. But so honorable Ken has a lot of children in the party. He has a lot of friends. He's made a lot of party boys and party girls his own. And this is part of the broader reconciliation move. Okay. We started with his own colleagues in the party and the in parliament. After that, you know, effort to be made. I mean, we've not uh we've not slept on this matter. Various individuals are doing what they can. And he has his love for the party. We are human. Sometimes we can be a bit emotional when things hurt us. It's, it's part of life. And the good thing is that when it gets to a point, we know that, look, thing, we can continue that way. We say, okay, let it go. Uh, a counselor once told me, leave it. If you leave it, you help your own immune system. You help your own mental health. You are at peace. You can sleep well without medication because you've money to forgive. And this is our political business. It is the only business about somebody you love so much can really hurt you. And that is politics for you. Mm. It is when the die is cast that you truly see your enemy and your, your, your friend. All right? But all in all, you not to take it to heart. When these things happen, you let go of it and you move on. And I think he's taking a very bold step. And mm. other colleagues have also taken a very bold step. That look, it is the party, the elephant, the, the MPP, you know, and that is what we need. Okay. And uh, I don't want to take the win out of his tail. Tomorrow, at the you know, reconciliatory party, which he is sponsoring, he's made some commitment and I'm sure, I will not open it to the media, but um, I'm sure at the appropriate time, the media will be we updated with, mm. you know, the, 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 the outcome of it. Very well. You, you lost almost 30 of your colleagues to the primaries. Um, as a leader of the House, and I'm hearing somewhere that you're soon going to be the main leader, not the deputy. Um, how, how are you going to ensure that they come to the chamber knowing that they have no business to do? They, are, they have been sent home by their party delegates and they could be happy cooling off somewhere. How are you going to ensure that the House works considering your numbers are very close? First of all, I'm not the leader of the house. I'm the deputy leader of the house. Um, we are yet to meet as leadership to look at various uh, matters before us. I'm sure that when the leadership meets to discuss 
some of the issues you are bringing uh, uh, bringing to my attention, which I already uh, know about. Uh, leadership would brief the media, if need be, on some of the steps it's taken. We are five in leadership, and we have extended leadership, which includes the, the deputy speakers and, uh, and the chair of various committees. We are forming committees, so uh, when we're done, I'm sure that that's one major thing that uh, the, the leader of the, of the caucus would table for all of us to discuss. And we've not even had the opportunity to meet as a caucus to deal with some of these things. So I think it's a matter of a, a collective step. Okay. And uh, I can't uh, unilaterally say this is what I'm going to do or that. Okay. Uh, finally, one of the controversial, the most controversial bills you have before you has to do with the anti-LGBTQI bill. We've seen publications suggesting that you are opposed to persons who engage in that act being uh, jailed. Can you ex- expand more on what your position was on that matter when the issue came up? Well, first of all, um, I commend the, the sponsors of the bill for their industry, the fact that they, they really wanted to echo our Ghanaian family value system and uh, they've championed this all through. I also appreciate the debate where all parties have expressed views on the way forward. Yes, um, I support aspects of the bill. I oppose aspects of it. I'm not against the principle, the object of the bill. Now, to your specific question, um, you know, in this day and age, where the country's judiciary thinking uh, is towards a non-custodial sentence. We cannot enact a law that seeks to um, entrench custodial sentence. After all, it's about somebody's sexuality. And we have to be very careful as a country not to be drawn into emotions when enacting a law. First of all, um, from an empathetic point of view, if it is your son, if it is your daughter, if it is your niece, your nephew, an uncle, an auntie, would you say that go to jail because you have been found guilty of homosexuality? You know, a country like Ghana, where people sometimes can go to the extreme, of put, you know, taking the law into their own hands. When you are with good intent, you are formulating a law, you have to be very careful and think outside the box and look at all these fallouts. As a practitioner of the law, I saw a lot. As a law student, when we visited in Sawum, a part of our studies, we had stories. And I think we have documentaries out there what people experience in the prisons. I do not think that imprisoning somebody for even a single day will be a solution to the problem. I have therefore put forward my own proposal, non-custodial sentencing proposal, as by way of amendment. 
have made proposals for a post-conviction sentencing, which would include uh, mandatory counseling. And in my proposal, I have proposed a committee, a uh, composition of a chief, an opinion leader, an imam, or a, a member of the clergy, um, a clinical psychologist, to help. So that is one. I've proposed for uh, community service and all. Then, of course, there is an aspect of a fine which is already in the bill. So we can look at all of these. The aim is help the person to be reintegrated into society. The aim is to help the person to reform and to say that, look, these are Ghanaian family values. Don't do this, don't do that. But if we say we throw them into Nsawam prison, we take them to Winneba prison, we take them to Sakani prison, Tamale prison, Kofoja prison, uh, Keta prison, or whatever, there, they, they risk being sodomized. And even in the mighty United States, where people who have uh, same-sex orientation but have committed other crimes and find themselves uh, in, in, in prison, we know their stories. So we have to be careful. And I think that to solve this, we, we need to take away our emotion. Uh, there should be no grandstanding and discuss it. And okay. not to, you know, uh, go the Ugandan way. <laughs> I don't think that the Ugandan way is a solution. If you are intending to criminalize the acts, then it would it would it would suffice. It would be reasonable for people to expect that for a criminal conduct, custodial sentence should be imposed. So, if you look at the criminal act, uh, criminal other offenses act, lot of crimes there have custodial sentences. Why should this one be different? Is it because no? But there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a community a community service bill that the AG is bringing. Now, if you had paid, if you if you if you had listened to my earlier point, uh, the, I emphasize that our judiciary is shifted or has shifted from the strict custodial sentence regime to a non-custodial sentence regime, and we've had a lot of public discourse on this as a country. The thinking in our judiciary now is to do away with custodial sentence, especially on matters of misdemeanor. And that's where your inspiration comes from. Okay, moving forward, this bill itself, what's the status? Has it been approved by the House generally and ready for waiting presidential assent or you still no, have no, some no, 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 no. eyes the bill to dot? No, we have not gotten anywhere. We are still here. It's still being worked on. Okay. How soon before it finishes? Any ideas? No, no comment on that. Very well. Sorry, Thank sir. you for speaking to us, sir. Thank you. That's Honorable Alexander Penyo Markin, his Deputy Minority Leader, Majority, I beg your pardon, and MP for FUTU. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. We'll be back with more. Please stay with us. News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back. Let's do some stories now. Government spent $12 million on the suspended Ejapa royalties deal. This was disclosed by the Chief Executive Officer of the Minerals Income Investment Fund, Edward Nanayao Kranting, at a Public Accounts Committee sitting. 
President Akufuado ordered the suspension of the Japa deal following public criticism in 2021. The deal was proposed by the government to raise funds through mineral royalties for key infrastructure projects, but was eventually suspended after the opposition NDC and some civil society organizations opposed it. However, according to the CEO of the Minerals Income Investment Fund, $12 million was expended on the processes to issue the initial public offering on the London Stock Exchange before the suspension. Establish a JAPA. Did the fund do due diligence to know that this might be a very good investment before accepting the request from finance to go into this? My, my understanding, Honorable Chair, is that the Ministry of Finance procured the services of international consultants and um, uh, companies and financial institutions that have um, done this before um, in the past. And that the, the advice provided um, was what the Ministry of Finance stood on. Um, at the time, like I mentioned, I was not um, at the helm of affairs. No, no, I know you are not there. Yes. We, we just want to interrogate to see that. Yes. As a fan, do you accept any proposal from any corner? No, we just don't accept any proposal. We go through proposals rigorously. Do you do your own due diligence? If a proposal can, you do your own diligence and say, oh, this is a good investment. Yes, Honorable Chair. Yes, Chair, we do. Was that done in regard to Japan? When the proposal came from Minister of Finance? Honorable Chair. Was that due diligence done? Honorable Chair, thank you. I had mentioned earlier that the services of experts no i'm not talking about the service of experts this is an establishment a uh, 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 japan as a company to be established yes for a purpose whether you procure a service of a, a good consultant or not is a different issue but the project itself let's do this have you done due diligence to know that, oh, this is a good project, let's go in, before we, we go to a procurement of the consultant or whatever? Thank you, Honorable Chair. The reason why I mentioned the service of consultants, as a fund, you may not have all the expertise in-house. So when you're doing your due diligence, you actually procure the services of experts who have done that before. Okay, I now understand. So you procure the services of experts who, at the end, give you a report that it's a good project. That is that is what we do. So so for um, Ejapa again, um, like we mentioned earlier, we started from the Ministry of Finance or started the Ministry of Finance, and from the documents that we have, it is clear that the correct advice was provided on the setup of a royal gold royalties company, where the streaming of the royalties would be beneficial to Ghana. Okay. You heard the Chief Executive Officer of the Minerals Income Investment Fund, Edward Nanayal Kranting. Honorable Kofi Adam sat through the meeting today as a member of the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament. He's MP for the people of Buem. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Good evening, Sander, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, help us understand. I'm trying to understand here, but it's not making sense to me. Um, Ejapa Royalties never, was never given birth to, right? How come we lost $12 million? Did you get that understanding from from the from the CEO when he appeared before you? Well, Sander, this is the very first time we are all being provided with this information that the country actually wasted twelve million dollars of his money at the time we have been told that the country was faced with a number of challenges 
in chasing after a ghost and that the president and all those who considered this whole deal never informed all of us that 12 million of our money have already been sunk into a project that didn't have the permission of appropriate bodies. According to the CEO of MIF, that the Ministry of Finance gave them the go-ahead to go into such an investment. And that in taking the decision to stop, they were not involved. And that he could not even provide us the reasons why a decision to stop was taken. And according to him, the letter to stop was sent to the uh, attorney general who looked at it and advised. And they were not, they as Smith were not involved in any way in terms of stoppage. And truly speaking, this was the first time. And this was not even in the Auditor General's report, but this was out of a public interest questions, which we normally do based on information we gather as a committee. People ask follow-up. So a member wanted to know about this Ejapa deal and the recent investment in the lithium uh, find in the central region. And this was what brought out this issue. You remember the, when we considered the 2021 Auditor General's report also, a similar thing happened with the Ghana Investment and Infrastructure Fund, where $2 million again was taken and pushed into the SkyTrain uh, project that nobody has given them any license. They had no license to operate any SkyTrain business. But our country found it necessary to put our scarce resources into such an institution that had no license whatsoever, no experience whatsoever anywhere in terms of building SkyTrain. $2 million was put in there. Today, we have been told that another $12 million of our scarce resources has been put into this thing that never happened. Meanwhile, you have the real unit of Kolebu, which is about being shut down again because it is building up yet another debt. Mm. Why do we do this to ourselves? So, I don't know. So let me understand. He, the CEO suggested that when the communication from the president came to suspend, that communication did not reach them. Is that what you meant by letter to the that's, attorney general? That's what, yeah, that's what he told us, based on our follow-up, because we really wanted to find out whether any reason was given. And he says, well, he is now going to look through to get the communication, and that he will get it from the attorney general. What it means is that they have no copy. So we asked how he heard it, and it ended up that possibly he also heard it on air. So, so there was a directive by which directive did not reach the person that issued did not, it. Did not reach the person that was actually involved in the whole process. What did he say? They, what did he say they expended the twelve million dollars on? Well, he could not give us any detailed uh, information, detailed documentation as to what exactly they expended this money on. But clearly, if you want to hazard a guess, maybe they claim they procured consultants and what have you. If you listen to. Uh, him, he said they procure consultants who advise them on it. Possibly it involved yet again traveling up and down. I do not know, but I'm just guessing. And why we will spend about $12 million if it is just about consultants, if it's just about meetings. Can we, can we 
Can we justify $12 million just in this? I don't think so. What's your committee going to do, or what can your committee do, or what is your committee doing about this? Well, we've asked him to provide some documentation because this is not a matter that was really captured in the Auditor General's report of 2022 that we are looking into. This was a public interest question that was asked, and it, the answers generated a lot more interest. So we've asked for some documents to be supplied to us. And when those documents come, if there's a need to invite the Mineral Incomes and Investment Fund again to appear before the Public Accounts Committee, we will do so. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Honorable Kofi Adams. He is Member of Parliament for BUEM and a Member of the Public Accounts Committee of Parliament. These are Witness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's talk weapons that are in wrong hands in Ghana now, shall we? Eno. Yes. So the National Commission on Small Arms and Light Weapons has revealed that approximately 1.1 million small arms and light weapons circulating within the country cannot be properly traced or accounted for. According to the Commission, this number of unaccounted for weapons out of a total of 2.3 million currently in circulation poses a significant danger to the nation's security. Speaking on the sidelines of a regional conference focused on addressing the humanitarian impact of improvised anti-personal mines, the head of the National Arms Marking Program at the Commission, Asmini, emphasized ongoing efforts to minimize the proliferation of these arms. As at 2014, there was a baseline and it was estimated that um, currently we have 2.3 million of uh, small arms and light weapons in circulation. Out of these um, 2.3, we have 1.2 million that are legally registered. The remaining 1.1 representing 47% cannot be accounted for. And this year is um, it's going to be 10 years after the baseline was done. So currently the commission is uh, currently soliciting for funding to do another baseline to know the level of proliferation we have in the system. What kind of weapons are we talking about? We are talking all kinds of weapons, AK-47, those... Strive towards the ratification of the convention. Vice President Dr. Mahamudu Balmia. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Enosafa. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana International Trade Commission has announced a 65% quota on the importation of cutlasses into the country, effective March 30, 2024. This decision, which is subject to review, stems from a trade petition filed by Crocodile Machete Ghana Limited, citing an influx of imported machetes impacting its competitiveness. The quota will restrict imports from countries such as China and Colombia, which accounted for 74.68% and 17.93% of imports, respectively, between 2021 and July 2023. Dr. Adujemfi, chairman of the Ghana International Trade Commission, elaborated on the commission's decision. The 65% quota translates into a total of 1,500 and 34 point metric tons as against the current 2,000 
365.85 metric tons of machets imported annually. The remaining shortfall of 831.45 metric tons of, of machets is what is expected to be compensated by crocodile machets to enable it to be competitive and restore its market share. The Commission found out that the average import levels of machets for the period under investigation originating from China was 1,766.81 tons, constituting 74.68%. That was the chairman of the Ghana International Trade Commission, Dr. Adu Jemfi. Economist Professor Lord Menson says the central bank deserves no commendation for its handling of the country's economic challenges. This is in response to a recent address by Vice President Dr. Mohamed Bamiya, where he praised the Bank of Ghana for its role in stabilizing the country's economy. In an interview with City Business News, Professor Lord Menson expressed his disagreement with the methods employed by the central bank. Nobody is criticizing the central bank for supporting the economy. But then what we are saying is that the channels through which they use in supporting the economy is where the problem is. Printing money in excess of what is required by the central bank, and it's 5% of the previous year's revenue, you know, as financing mechanism from the central bank is what we are worried on. The excess, you know, finance, it went beyond you know, the, 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 the 5%. And again, printing the money and really giving it to the government is where the problem is. Most, you know, central banks, most, right, I'm talking about central banks, are able to rescue countries who are in economic difficulty through the same banking system, through the same monetary channel, not using the fiscal channels. You can print money for government to go directly to use. And then you can wire the money through the banking corridors. Economist Professor Lord Mensa, tax analyst Dr. Alex Ampabing wants the Ghana Revenue Authority to embark on intensive sensitization programs for business leaders within the informal sector. Dr. Ampabing is positive that the education drive could contribute significantly to the GRE's efforts at boosting revenue collection. Commenting on GRE's quest to prioritize voluntary tax compliance efforts this year, the tax analyst said the initiative will enhance understanding of tax obligations by players within the informal sector. My GRA can adopt a system that educates taxpayers, whether organizing training programs or partnering with a radio or TV station to do physical demonstrations on sometimes how some of these taxes have to be paid. I think it will go a long way to increase compliance. And here I'm making references to small, small businesses. The small business operator cannot afford a professional accountant or legal person to advise them in their tax obligations. These are what we call the do-it-yourself business operators. They would like to do it themselves. But sometimes because of limited understanding of the tax law, and you don't expect the ordinary layman operating their small businesses to go and invest in hiring the most expensive accountant to file their tax returns for them. So therefore... To 
encourage or improve the do-it-yourself segment of taxpayers. GRA has to adopt a very more practical way of teaching them to understand the taxes and also simplifying the compliance process. It should be very simple for the layman or the average person to understand. Tax analyst Dr. Alex Ampar being there. The Mobile Agents Association of Ghana has backed calls by Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Balmia to scrap off certain taxes, such as the electronic transfer levy. The e-levy was heavily criticized during its implementation, especially by stakeholders such as the Momo agents who insisted that it was a threat to their businesses. Reacting to the news, the president of the Momo Agents Association of Ghana, Edward Oforiajimai, tells City Business News that they welcome the call by Dr. Balmia. We are a business entity. Uh, whatever policies any government comes, which will improve uh, our businesses, I think we, are, we, we have no problem about that. We believe that taxes are necessary for the development of the nation, but too much tax affects us. Already, the telcos deduct taxes, which they pay to GRE every month on our behalf. They deduct taxes from our commissions and pay to GRE. And we also pay consumer taxes, just like anybody else also do. But that tax will have adverse effect on our business. We we are an association and we are in for or anything that any government comes he, he will do that will improve our businesses. We are for it. Edward Ufariajimai is the president of the Momo Agents Association of Ghana. The Office of the Register of Companies has commenced legal processes to deregister 8,531 companies limited by shares that have been in default for over two years. This action is set to be completed by the end of May 2024. The decision has become necessary to purge the register of dormant companies and companies in default for failure to file their annual returns and update their records. Here's Register of Companies Jemima Wari giving more reasons for the move. And so it's just to give us the most current information on a company. The financial statements also gives us information on the physical or financial health of a company. And that's why we have a chartered accounting firm that will audit your books at the end of the year. And this uh, financial statements will, of course, be passed at an annual general meeting. And it's supposed to be filed with a registrar. So anybody doing business and doing a search on our register should be able to know the health of this company, whether it is really seriously doing business or just on our books for the sake of being on the books. Mm. That is why we've had to come once again, because it looks like we are not being taken serious. That's why we've had to take this action. We started informing them since 2021. And so if you're going strictly by the Companies Act, we should have taken these names off last year. But we just had this humanitarian, you know, look on it and kept on calling them. We called them one after the other and they didn't take us serious. And that's how come we've had to come to this level of now going to go ahead and strike them off. Jemima Owari is the registrar of companies. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. The Business News and Eyewitness News is brought to you by GCB Bank PLC. GCB Personal Loan, make that big move and dream a reality. My name is Inusafo. Up next is Point Blank.
Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Omaru Sandamada. Tonight on Point Blank, a former research scientist at the Savannah Agricultural Research Institute, Sari, of the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, CSIR, CSIR, Professor Roger Canton, has urged Ghanaian farmers to take industrial action to advocate for reforms in the agriculture sector. He believes that a proactive approach will compel the government to address the pressing challenges confronting the agriculture sector. He was speaking at the Swedru Conversations on the theme, Join the Swedru Conversations, Feeding Ourselves as a Nation, Perspectives on Revolutionizing Our Agricultural Fortunes. That conversation took place yesterday and by popular request we are bringing you that address by Dr. Roger Canton. Let's listen to him. What is food security? And what are the pillars of food security? Food security can be defined as when, pe- when all people at all times have physical and economic access to sufficient, safe, and nutritious food that meets their dietary needs and food preference for an active, healthy life. And the four pillars of food security are availability, access, utilization, and stability. The determinants of food security, this include how well agricultural production is doing, how much food is we import, how many people are employed in the food industry, what public policies and strategies are put in place to improve food production, nutrition, and also access. The FAO defines in broad terms the concept of full self-sufficiency to be generally taken to mean the extent to which a country can satisfy its food needs from its own domestic production. And take this clearly, we are not greedy, but full self-sufficiency, which is desirable. You don't need to import from China. You, don't, you have the money, you can bring them in fine. But if they do not have, how are you going to import them? If they also don't produce and settle down and thinking they should use their money to import, who should give you food? See? So these are the things we should be looking at. So this means without importing from other countries, that means we are what? Self-reliant. And this is what is desirable, and this is what Nkrumah's Ghana needs. After all these years, Ghana cannot boast of food self-sufficiency and food and nutrition security. We have a critical mass of experienced agricultural scientists of world-class standing. And some of the, the cutting-edge research by scientists include the release of drought-tolerant, drought-tolerant and stress-resistant maize varieties. In fact, it will interest you to know that the first quality protein maize, you know protein is not from cereals. Protein is basically from legumes, grain legumes. But we were able to come out with a quality protein maize, which was the first in the whole world by scientists, my colleagues at the Cross Research Institute of Ghana in Fumiswa, Professor Shubesi Afriye, Dr. Bedou Afraku, Dr. Sala, and others. 
This is something wonderful. I think you should have been clapping for Ghanaian scientists because that is quality protein. The whole world, even Americans are using our products, our foundation uh, uh, maize in their breeding programs. And the most highly adopted maize in the whole Africa is Obatampa. Obatampa, I'm told, is good nursing mother, which every African country uses that as foundation for their uh, maize programs, breeding programs. So we are not a country that we should be joking with. Yes. But we don't talk a lot about our achievement like our brothers in the political sectors do. They talk a lot, we hear about them, but our scientists go under what? We stay under the, 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 we don't want to talk about our design. We also have released millets that are rich in iron, zinc, and calcium. These are some of the things that nursing mothers and children need to grow. Instead of going to pharmaceutical industry uh, uh, shops to be buying them, you can get them taken in directly. And you have Hausa cocoa and you have all those things that have been sold across. So the total rice that we consume in Ghana in 2023 stands at 1,500,000 metric tons. Annually, we've been picking this from outside. And we've an approximate about 50% of that is being met locally which means the other 50 have to be imported, which means we, are, we have a problem, yes. And about 60% of rice consumed in Ghana is imported, which amounts to about $4,391 million. That is a huge amount. And if you also you go through that, that's about $6.8 billion equivalent. That is to $560 million used in rice importation in 2022. These are significant this significantly increases Ghana's vulnerability as a result of our uh, food security that is our concern. So these are some of the rice producing areas in Ghana that are put in, in green there. I wouldn't like to, to, to belabor much on this. And these are the trends. That is the total acreages and the total yields that we have got, production patterns, and then the average yields that we have. So the best we have so far is about 3.5. When in actual fact we can move that to about 5 four to five metric tons per hectare. So that means we have an issue where we can enhance productivity. That's per unit area. Which means looking at this a decadal performance of the rice in Ghana, you can see the, it's climbing up gradually. You can see the highest that we have had was in 2021, 2022, about 3.7 metric tons per hectare. That was quite an elegant yield. That's fine. Higher than the average you get in Africa, you see. So by it goes, and here there was a small problem here, 2022, 2023, it dipped down and has started to go up again. That's a picture for rice. Not that too good. Maize the same. We are not doing so, so well, but maize is a little better in that we've been importing about $22.4 million, and that's about making us about the 90th uh, world's largest importer of maize, which is not that acceptable, it's not that very good. And these are the very other things that we need. And uh, you can see clearly in 2022, we had to, the crop area was 793,000 hectares. And we were able to do well in that year that were 3.3 million metric tons, which means we, we had more than we needed. That was good because it's 3 million we need and we went beyond that. So it means that sometimes we can get what we want, you know, but sometimes we, we, we get into trouble. So these are the, uh, the figures that we have for that. I wouldn't like to waste much time on this. I want to go so that we get a lot of the distance. So it has been the same. But so it means to the deficit is also 150,000 metric tons. But that we can do a lot in soya bean. Basically, it has to do with planting. 
We have very unacceptably low plant populations and also harvesting is a problem. You still see women up north, nursing mothers, pulling soya beans from dry, very, uh, very, uh, 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 go and trash them. That is not good enough. When we could have people that could uh, uh, come out with some engineering sample tools that we can use, as is being done elsewhere. So these are things that we can certainly uh, uh, manage. Tomato is another issue. We don't even have a serious uh, horticultural breeding program in this country, unfortunately, which I'm going to some sort of profit some of the things that we need to do as a people if only we want to navigate through distance. We should gravitate towards things that will be prophesizing in this area. You can see clearly the 400 million uh, was used to import tomato uh, fruits, not even to talk about the pace, which is also another ball game together. And you can see my friends from Gaysal, what they have. Unfortunately, Ghana is able to produce only 300,000 uh, metric tons of uh, tomato out of almost about a huge 800,000 metric tons. So we still, but the actual figure, according to some of our colleagues, is about 100,000 uh, yearly for fruit tomatoes. Now currently the Burkina Bays, the Malians, and the uh, Niger, I'm told they say they don't want to be part of ECOWAS. Because ECOWAS, we have disappointed them. They are having challenges. We don't want to support them. And we are telling them not to do ABCD. And we're talking about democracy. If you are democratic, why do you interfere in other people's jurisdiction? If the Ghanaian people say we don't want something, why should someone sit somewhere and dictate to us? Who dictates to America or Russia or uh, Britain? So please, we should respect each other's sovereignty. Sovereignty is something we shouldn't temper with, yes. So clearly you can see in 2021, we imported 33.1 million distance of onion. These are unacceptable figures. Meanwhile, we have the soils. We have the comparative and competitive advantages to navigate through these things. These are things we can do. I'm not talking about rhetoric. I've been on research for 30 good years. There's no place in West Africa or Africa in Ghana they do not know me. Yes, I'm not speculating. I'm not here for propaganda. We are here on the serious business. We can navigate. If only we agree to do that, and that can be done. You can see clearly the imports of onion, Niger, China, you know, Netherlands. Why should China or Netherlands give us uh, export onion to us? When we should be doing the other way, look at the population of China. So please let us look at these things and see where we can do. So why can't we feed ourselves as a people? There are a whole lot of issues. We have large tracts of arable lands with enormous water bodies, but why are we not seriously uh, these are seriously being underutilized. Ghanaian farmers have both the comparative and competitive skills to produce rice, you know, maize, soya beans, livestock, and then poultry products so that we can be self-sufficient, devoid of any outside uh, uh, imports. We can do that. Unfortunately, we have challenges, and African government, including Ghana, have paid lift services uh, to support our hard-working farmers to produce all the decent that we need. So the policy on the supply of subsidy chemical or subsidized fertilizer uh, 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 fertilizers has failed woefully. Uh, for over 30 years in Maori Sederson, where government brings uh, subsidized fertilizer and very big heavyweights get them carried out in articulated trucks and key trucks. And people tend to blame farmers that they are carrying them in donkey cars. How much fertilizer can a poor farmer in Upper East or Upper West carry on a donkey cart? But they are big, big people who have power carry these things out. Why should we do that to our own self? Carrying something that will bring food to Ghana and you carry out, that's more even criminal than treason, if you ask me. Yes, as a result of the complexity of smuggling, it has actually not supported us at all. 
And as you can see, about 18,500 bags of NPK fertilizer valued at 1.6 million Ghana cities from one district. I wouldn't like to mention its name unless I am provoked. In 2021, carry these things out. Shamelessly, we know them. Some of them, we spoke to some of them. It doesn't help at all. I'm not talking about theory. I know what I'm talking about here. And Ghana lost 12.12 million in 2018 to fertilizer smuggling. And this has been skyrocketing each year, according to MOFA. These are facts. Business and Financial Times will testify that. So currently, we have serious issues with fertilizer. And look at the... In 2022, 2.6 billion dollars in agriculture-related products that we imported. That is almost what Ghana is at IMF to give us. If we are able to get this, will we go to IMF? Certainly not. Yes. So, of course... Policy, a lot of things that are happening all revolves on policy. And what is policy? This is my definition. This is not, I didn't take it from a, an economic or a textbook. No, this is my own definition. And it says, and uh, I, I challenge any uh, political scientist to engage me in this. We can discuss further. A principle of behavior, conduct, etc., taught to, taught to be desirable or necessary, especially as formally expressed by a government or other authoritative body. A working definition for policy for today's discussion is a coherent, consistent, pragmatic, broad, stakeholder, inclusive, dynamic, self-assessing document to achieve a national objective or a goal. So it is not something you sit in your office, the comfort of your bungalow, the comfort of a cabinet, and the comfort of Ghana parliament, and imagine things for Ghanaians. No, but people who know what we are, and then we can take that issue up and discuss. And ordinary people like myself and my brothers across the country, from the Volta region, from to Upper East, whatever, all of us, so that people will, because it behoves on them, we produce. So this is what we should be talking about as a people. Policies are the key drivers of all sectors in any vibrant and serious economy. Anything devoid of that is a joke. The Department of Agriculture, that the Ministry of this, uh, there is a need to revert the Department of Agriculture to the Ministry of Food and Agriculture. Parliament, some time back, I remember the Renaissance time, they have decentralized some three key ministries. That's the Ministry of Health, Ghana, Ghana Health, Ministry of Health, uh, Minister of Education and Minister of Food and Agriculture. But what happened was they allowed the Minister of Health and Minister of Education, they still have their umbilical cords to Accra. So their staff are being trained, they are well being taken care of. But the Minister of Food and Agriculture, they have truncated that umbilical cord. So they are not getting training from their mother institute because it's a technical, agri is a technical department, just like health or education. Minister of Local Government is not a technical city. They are administrative and managerial. Where are the technical cities there to train agric people who will be needing training like myself and my colleagues who will be discussing? It's a technical area, so we need to regard it as such. They can be for management at the district level, no problem. But technically, they have to stay, look, uh, be linked up to their mother Japanese way. In a world confronted with the menace of climate change and climate variability, and you also have got instances of uh, extreme weather events, the risk of weather doesn't have increased. So you have weather, if, I mean, uh, 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 climate events like drought, pests, pests and diseases, and floods that have been confronting us.
But under Ikea Champon, I was a child by then. I can remember a champion did so well. As we talk, 12 irrigation dams and schemes established under a champion. No other regime have added to any of these schemes. And where, what are their states now? They are begging for what? Rehabilitation. Massively, and they have been neglected. So how are you going to, I mean, to supplement your food production when you are encountering, you have encountered a, a person disease, like we encountered the fall army worm, or you are confronted with a drought situation, or you are con uh, confronted with floods. Flood, which we should be rejoicing, a country like Israel for the first decade sometimes will not get a one-day uh, one rainfall that we get. And yet they export fruits to U.S. and U uh, the European markets. Yes. So these are some of the issues that we have to look at. We collaboration and coordination among sector ministers. Sometimes you realize that the, minist the ministries are not well interact. For example, you talk in most countries, when you talk of agriculture, Water resources, lands are part of that, Kenya and others, several countries. But here they are in small, small compartments. They don't talk to each other. Even when they bring them together for national decisions, they fail woefully. You are a minister in trade and tourism. People, things are being imported. How do they link up with agriculture? You're talking about land. Galam say lands are being destroyed carelessly. Water and all that. They are all linked with agriculture. Health. We can cause you more problems. If we do the wrong things, you have your medical bills will go up. You are using money on national health insurance. But if we fix agriculture well, who will go to a hospital? Nobody will go there. Doctors will be free. Only big men like uh, some of you here will go there with your, your dental problem because you're taking sweets, sugary things, you know, and a few others who have eye problems. Even though we wouldn't just need to do that at all. Yes. So these are some of the weak linkages and collaborations. Also, the Ministry of Food and Agriculture linking with the Ministry of uh, the Ghana Education Service and the universities. How do we link them up? What are the burning issues that we need as, as a people? There is a disconnect there, you see. So these are the issues. How are our graduates, how are, our, how are they linking up so that you produce people fit for the job and not just train people they come out? Then they are not fit for the job. I have gone on job interviews and I have seen some of this. I'm not talking theory. Yes, please. So you can see clearly Achampong has done so, and then they run across the whole country. Look at the schemes here. Ashanti, Eastin, Upper East, all of them, except, of course, my home region, Upper West, we were not lucky to have one anyway. So lack of funds for research. You can never move this country forward without research. Everything you do is research. Even the food you eat and water you drink, you research. Every day I take water and uh, I have a choking. I find myself, what did I do to get that? It's research. And so what will I do to stop that? So everything you do, the very, everything in life, you need to research. So if you don't find your research, you are just wasting your time. Who should do research for you to go and copy? Who? So please, these are some of the things we need to focus on. We're talking about breeding, climate smart, crop varieties, animal breeds, and all that. Lack of funds has been a challenge. Now, other people have been talking of genetically modified for what? Have we exhausted our gen uh, uh, genetic gen plasma? Certainly not. So why do you just follow people for the food you're following? Someone brings money here with uh, uh, dollars, and once the typical African sees dollars, he's running after it. You will sit down and question yourself. Does those things align to my food? Please, we shouldn't be. It's not, the world should not be made of bread and butter. Let us pause and ask questions, tangible questions, of course. And that's right, it's germane. You don't ask, you don't, 
even when we read the Bible and Quran, sometimes we ask our questions. I said that nobody questions God. The house people watch you see the answer, say wawa. How can you be annoyed or ask God when God will not answer you? Yes. Extension is another key area which my brother will be talking about. Without extension, nothing will work. You do the research, but someone has to communicate it competently to the farmer. If we don't have them, nothing works. And as I talk today with you, three directors have called me from northern Ghana. A lot of our extension officers which we train are now shifting to Burkina Faso for jobs. Because they are not what? They are not being utilized very well. They are under local government. Nobody gives them for Nothing is working there. So we should rethink of bringing them back to their main mother ministry. Someone is an extension, crop services, animal production, and those other things. You put him under local government. To do what? Local government is heavily a political grouping to do administrative work. But these are technical groups. So you don't mix the two, please. So now we're looking at poor infrastructure. It's another very huge issue we have. Where I come from, the Susala areas, and I'm happy that the two ministers that have handled this, Dr. Okoto, I thank him for this, said the Susala area alone, Tumu and Susala East, that's Susala East, Susala West, and Fancy, not even to Adlambusi, can feed Ghana for 19 months. A very sad situation there with Ghana. Arable lands all over the place. No food. The words of Dr. Roger Canton, Professor rather, uh, Roger Canton, is a former research scientist with the Savannah Agriculture Research Institute, Surrey, of the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research, CSIR. He was speaking at the Swedru Conversations, which was on the theme Feeding Ourselves as a Nation, Perspectives on Revolutionizing our Agriculture Fortunes. That would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. I did this with Eno Safu. Production by Kobna Wilson, Beverly London, and Sami Wiafi. The technical support from Desmonyako and Marcus Kupalo. The new media support came through from Edwin Kwakofi. We'll return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening and have a good night.